An anthology about the bad, the short-lived, and the forgotten shows and events in television history. This is It Was a Thing on TV. Before I change my mind! I give you Super Train! Episode 364, submission number 312, The Bat News Bears! The Bat News Bears aired on the CBS television network from... March 24th, 1979 to July 26th, 1980 for 26 episodes spanning two seasons. So this is actually the second show we've covered that started in March of 1979. Do you want to know what the other show is? Delta House? Nope. Well, it wasn't few because that was April of 79. The Ropers. Oh, that Roper's too lasted two seasons. Yeah, Roper's premiered on March 13th at 79. And also, at 26 episodes, the Bad News Bears lasted exactly 10 episodes longer than the Hudson Brothers Razzle Dazzle Show and Uncle Croc's Block. You're welcome. Hey, it had Jack Warden on it. Of course it would last longer than that. That's true. That's oh, it true. had a lot of people. We're going to talk about a lot of names. Yeah. But first, here's the theme music. who have never seen the movie The Bad News Bears, the 1976 version, at least, from IMDb. I'm going to be as quick as I can. 
Former minor leaguer Morris Buttermaker is a lazy beer swirling swimming pool cleaner who takes money to coach the Bears, a bunch of disheveled misfits who have virtually no baseball talents. Realizing his dilemma, Coach Buttermaker brings aboard girl pitching ace Amanda Wurlitzer, the daughter of a former girlfriend, and Kelly Leak, a motorcycle punk who happens to be the best player around. Brimming with confidence, the Bears look to sweep into the championship game and avenge an earlier loss to their nemesis, the Yankees. And it all ends with Tanner Boyle... Although the Bears lose to the Yankees, Tanner Boyle gets the last lap when he says the following. Hey, Yankees, you can take your apology and your trophy and shove them straight up your ass. That's one hell of a promo. Yeah, it's enough to spawn a sequel. The Bad News Bears go to Japan. Well, before that, though, it was the Bad News Bears and breaking training. But, you know who's in the Bad News Bears go to Japan, guys? Oh. Joey Curtis. And not only that, but there's a scene where Tony Curtis wrestles Antonio Inoki. This is true. Antonio Inoki is in the Bad News Bears go to Japan as wrestler Antonio Inoki. I hope he slapped the crap out of Tony Curtis. You know who else was in that movie? Harry Hahn was played by Regis Philbin. Oh, I bet he told Gilman some crazy stories about what happened on set. But enough about the movies. Because the movies, they weren't blockbusters. But they were just good enough to get familial acclaim. I mean, they were good sit-down family movies. They were popcorn movies, despite the fact that Tanner told the Yankees exactly what they could do with their championship trophy. That spawned Happy Days writers and producers Arthur Silver and Bob Bruner to come together and develop a televised version of the series. Now, we've spoken about the writing team of Silver and Bruner before. Remember Brothers and Sisters back when we talked about college? Oh, yeah! We did talk about that. They did that. You know what I remember about that show? Zipper! You want me to do it, don't you? No, I did it for you! Okay. Bob Bruder was also a producer on Love, Sydney and The Nut House, both of which we covered previously. But the two of them together would come together and try and make this into a weekly thing. Which begs the question, how do you turn a movie like The Bad News Bears into a sitcom? Well, here is the IMDb summary. And again... I'm going to be very quick about it. To avoid a year in jail, swimming pool cleaner Morris Buttermaker agrees to coach a little league baseball team called the Bears. Unfortunately, the Bears are the worst team in the league, boasting a roster of the most inept and least disciplined players in school. Buttermaker, with the help of Principal Rapids, eventually wins the respect of the Bears, and they even win a few games along the way. So they're basically expanding and enhancing on the premise of the Bad News Bears, which was created by Bill Lancaster for the film. The show was originally scheduled on Saturday nights at 8, which would be a really good time slot for a family sitcom in 1979. 
However, that fall, it was bumped up to the spring of 79 and put on Fridays. Oh, no. No. Yeah, CBS was hoping they would be looking good, but you can't ask Bad News Bears to look good. Oh, because CBS's tagline back then was looking good. So, who was on the team of the Bad News Bears? Well, playing the role of Walter Matthau in the Bad News Bears as Morris Buttermaker is Jack Warden. And of course, Jack Warden, I remember Jack Warden as the uh, newspaper editor in The Great Muppet Caper, the greatest Muppet movie ever. Yeah, I said it. I remember him as Big Ben Healy in Problem Child. And you see, I got a third answer. I remember him as the title character in Crazy Like a Fox. Nice. Oh, Crazy Like a Fox. Classic. Underrated. Love that show. And also, she mentioned that Jack Warden was in the original 12 Angry Men, juror number seven. And among the people who were in 12 Angry Men, Ed Begley Sr. and Jack Klugman. I remember watching 12 Angry Men in high school. I saw Jack Klugman. And I was like, hey, that's Jack Klugman. And I saw Ed Begley Sr. and said, hey, his son's the Zodiac Killer. In high school? I was a weird kid. Anyway. 20 years before that episode aired. Okay. But this series added a character in Dr. Emily Rappens. And we talked about the actress who played Dr. Emily Rappens. Catherine Hicks. The titular witch of Tucker's Witch. Which was one of our favorite previous entries of the last month or so. And then we have the team. Doing Tatum O'Neill proud as Amanda Wurlitzer would be Trisha Cast, who we talked about earlier in It's Your Move. She was Jason Bateman's sister. Playing Rudy Stein is Billy Jane, who would go on to play Parker Lewis's best friend on Parker Lewis Can't Lose, among other roles. Just remember, Parker Lewis, he can't lose. If he was playing the entire Bears team, we all know he'd win by himself because he can't lose. Playing Leslie Ogilvy, Sparky Marcus, who was in Freaky Friday in 1976, and Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman for 20 episodes as Jimmy Joe Cheater. No relation to Derek, obviously. Obviously. Hey, two more things to add about him. Yes, sir. He was Dexter in the Space Ace segments on previous installment Saturday Supercade, but also Sparky Marcus voiced Richie Rich in the cartoon series from the early 80s. Oh, now I remember that name. Oh, that's good. Playing Reggie Tower, Corey Feldman. Hey, we talked about him last month, too. Yep. He's known as the voice of Donatello in the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie, and nothing else. My ass nothing else. He's <laughs> in the greatest movie ever made, License to Drive. Thank you. He was also on the greatest show that we've ever covered, Madam's Place. Yeah, I just said that. But... No, you didn't. You yeah, said License to Drive. 
he said we talked about him last month. But we did. He didn't mention what show uh, that was. Oh, uh, there you go. Uh, yeah. Because remember, here at Madam's. Pl- no, I'm not going to say it. I've been well, excited just, enough about that. Just right. remember, though. Archie's come back. Come back. Come back. Archie's come back. Come back. Oh, come boy. back. Like Mike Engelberg is Jay Brennan Smith. He was in a lot of things as a kid, but he was also a noted member of the crews of Pleasantville and Paradise Lost. Sadly, died in 2007 at the age of 37. Wow. Next up, as Tanner Boyle, Mino Peluche, who we talked about in previous entry, Voyagers. And also, he's Soleil Moonfry's brother. Hey, speaking of her, we're going to be talking about her in October. I won't spoil it, but let's just say we're going to have an invitation to a certain place that's hot. Very hot, if you know what I mean. What are we going to do in Las Vegas? No, I'm not talking about Las Vegas. We're not going to Las Vegas, Chico. Okay. Playing Ahmad Abdul Rahim... The late, great Christoph St. John. Known more for his role on The Young and the Restless and less for his role on future entry, Charlie and Company. He was one of the 2.3 kids of Flip Wilson and Gladys Knight. But let's not forget, he was a semi-regular in Match Team 98. Oh, but yes. And he was damn good. And he made his acting debut in That's My Mama, which we covered a few months ago. Playing Timmy Lupus Lupus, Shane Butterworth. He hasn't done much since Fat News Bears, but he was in Exorcist 2 in 1977. Nowadays, personal physical trainer seeking a role on a TV show in Los Angeles. And those are actually the regulars on the show. There are several semi-regulars, but we'll get to them as we talk about the episodes, which we'll do, oh, right about now. We start, as we always do, with a pilot. It's called Here Comes the Coach. Former minor leaguer Morris Buttermaker becomes the new coach of the Hoover Junior High Bears baseball team, which consists of misfits and fumblers. So it's essentially the events of the first film condensed into 30 minutes with additional characters. It's your basic generic expository episode. Episode two. Amanda joins the Bears. After another bad game, Buttermaker attempts a pitching tryout, but it goes badly. Amanda Wurlitzer does show up, and she feels abandoned after Buttermaker broke up with her mother. Oh, boy. She agrees to pitch one game for the Bears. So I guess together... We're condensing the entirety of the movie into two episodes. Yeah, I guess. Hey, do you know who directed this episode? William Asher. That William Asher. Little fun fact about this episode. Buttermaker references the Twilight Zone and what was a scripted in-joke to Jack Warden's appearance in The Mighty Casey. 
In that show, Warden played an exasperated baseball coach of a losing team rescued by a seemingly unbeatable new player, which, yes, looks like something. Something, huh? Looks like something. Episode 3, Nakedness is Next to Godliness. Good night, everybody. No, no. Dr. Rappin's new shower mandate causes problems for Ogilvy, who is terrified of being naked in front of the team. So you're saying he doesn't like showing his two-ball count? Good night, everybody. Fudge, Mike, why? I couldn't think of a good bat joke. I'm sorry. <laughs> By the way, this episode aired April 7th, 1979, on the same night that over on that other network on what's happening, Sparky Marcus appeared as a basketball player that Dwayne was helping to coach. So we have Sparky Marcus playing baseball and Sparky Marcus playing basketball on the same night at the same time. Gee, that's not confusing. No, it is not. I'll tell you what is confusing. Kelly on a bike. By the way, Kelly was a punk rocker who happened to be the best player on the field. In the movie, he was played by Jackie Earl Haley, who you would probably know better as not Robert England in the reboot of A Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, I would like to forget that. Kelly rides his bike onto the field in episode four, The Kelly Story. He hits on Amanda and hits a bunch of her pitches out of the park. She decides to use her feminine wilds to entice him to join the team. And taking the role that Jackie Earl Haley made famous was Greg Forrest, who would best be known as a that guy from that thing, apparently, because he has not done much since the Bad News Bears, and he has not done much before the Bad News Bears. Episode 5, Tanner's Bird. Buttermaker buys a racing horse named Rocket Jr. The horse keeps lying down, and a vet is called. The horse can't race anymore, and it also sat on Tanner's bird, killing it. He had his bird in his hand. So wait, the horse sat on the bird? The horse sat on the bird. Was the horse played by Secretariat? No. Well, just remember, as I said in Hulk Hogan's Rocket Wrestling, Mike Francesa met Secretariat. Hey, we have a name in this episode. Playing Dillman is Kit McDonough, and we've talked about her because she played Lois McCardle on Teachers Only. Episode 6. Emily Loves Morris. The Bears have reasons to believe Dr. Rappens is crushing on Coach Buttermaker. Hey, writing this episode, Jeff Franklin. Yes, that Jeff Franklin from Full House. We don't talk about Jeff Franklin. Oh, yeah, for reasons. But William Asher is back to direct. I think he directs uh, most of the episodes of season one. Yeah, he directs episode eight and he directs the finale and episode 10. So at least three more episodes after. Episode 7, The Food Caper. Food is missing from the school's pantry over the weekend when only the bears were present. Rapid tells Buttermaker to investigate and Engelberg becomes the prime suspect. This is because he's fat, isn't it? 
Yes, of course. They're going to fat shame. He fat! He fat! Episode 8. Men will be boys. Tanner's attack kite is causing havoc. Amanda takes him down, forcing him to give. The other girls start bullying the boys. It's a war. A veritable battle of the sexes. Who will come out on top? I have no idea. Episode 9. Three's a crowd. Amanda schemes to get her mother back together with Buttermaker. Playing said mother, lady by the name of Alice, Joyce Bulevant. Oh! The ever-versatile Joyce Bulevant. But not the only name in the episode. Playing a character named Peter is Dick Patterson, who is in both Grease movies as different characters. He played Mr. Rudy in Grease, and then turned around and played Mr. Spears in Grease 2. I'm surprised nobody caught on to it. Who really saw Grease 2? Come on. Nobody saw Grease 2. Let's be honest. That's true. It did make Michelle Pfeiffer's career, though. But hey, he was on four episodes of the old Love American style. Well, as me and the G-Man point out, both the old and the new Love American style are all right. They can coexist in our little world. Good. Yes. Yes, they can. Episode 10, Save the Bears. Ogilvy accidentally shrinks the uniforms. Uh-oh. 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 Buttermaker suggests the kids get jobs to pay for new uniforms. Instead, they end up with a highly successful and not-so-truthful way to raise the cash. I do believe the Cleveland show ripped this plot off for an episode. I may be wrong on this. Who it's would like... give these kids jobs? Let's <laughs> be honest. I don't even know. I do not even know. All Kelly Link would do is sell, like, bootleg cigarettes around. Episode 11, Dance Fever. Ahmad gets challenged to a dance showdown at the big dance. I do not know who did the challenging, and I don't know anybody who was on this episode who wasn't on the others, so we're just going to move on. Although, we have this quote from Morris Buttermaker. Look, what's the big deal with the dances? I've been to school dances. The boys stay on one side of the gym, the girls stay on the other, and the girls dance with each other. The boys talk sports. So what's so exciting about that? He's not wrong. No. Episode 12. Fielder's Choice. Kelly's out of town and the team loses badly. The top team has a surprising loss and the Bears still have a chance to get to the big championship game in a big league ballpark. I'm presuming that it's either going to be Dodger Stadium or the Big A. They're not going to go on location to the Astrodome like in breaking trading. No, I'm sorry to break it, Greg. They went to Olympic Stadium. Oh, I'm sorry. That's not a big league ballpark. Womp, womp. Well, hold on. It was only a few years old in 1979. I I'm more referring to the fact that it's a piece of crap. I've been there. That is a horrible ballpark. That was a horrible ballpark, I should say. It's only been 34 years since I've been there. Remember, this is a team who has been in a Japanese ballpark. And for my money, the Japanese have the best ballparks 
in the world. Unfortunately, the Tokyo Egg Tome wasn't ready yet by the time Bad News Bears Go to Japan was yep. out. Big Egg City was just an idea on a sheet of paper. Insert your own Dave Meltzer six-star joke here. Okay, so interesting thing about this episode. Kelly was out of town for the day with his father. Apparently, his father took him someplace else because he did not appear in the rest of the season, and he did not appear for season two. And that is season one. And like I said, the show was supposed to air on Saturday night in the fall, where it would have been up against Carter Country, Battlestar Galactica, and Chips. Oh, that'll do it. Chips. Yeah, but it was put off to the spring where it was not up against Carter Country. It was up against what's happening. Oh. And Chips. And Chips. And Battlestar Galactica. Well, now hold on. Wasn't that the last season of Battlestar Galactica before it became uh, Battlestar 80 or, or Galactica 80 or whatever it was well, called? Only ha- I think, if I'm not mistaken, Battlestar Galactica only aired, the original Battlestar Galactica only aired for one season. Okay, but also, that was the last season of What's Happening. So I'm not terribly worried about what's happening at this point. It's chips that you should be worried about. That's the killer. Well, of course, you got to be very fearful of Chris Pine's daddy. That's true. Yeah, Robert Pine and Eric Estrada. And Larry Wilcox. Why are we not talking about Larry Wilcox? You know, everyone forgets about Larry Wilcox. You know, he was the brains behind the outfit. He was. But yeah, uh, they put it on Saturday nights and it made absolutely no noise whatsoever. For the 1978-1979 season, there were 114 TV shows total. The Bad News Bears was tied for 40th. That put it in league with Dallas, the White Shadow, which it replaced, Hawaii Five O, which had a good two more seasons in it, The Incredible Hulk, which was also renewed, and the Waltons. So it didn't do too badly in the first season. So CBS gave it benefit of the doubt and brought it back for season two. CBS gave a second season, full season order, to the Bad News Bears. There wasn't much in the way of retooling, but there were some people who you would not see again. Chief among them was Kelly. But the rest of the team, they came back. And they did a pretty good job in getting some names for season two, as is evidenced by the season premiere, Run Down. Rudy has his father's baseball, signed by Johnny Bench. Yes, the suit guy. Buttermaker claims to know Bench back in the day. Then they lose the ball. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. 
By the way, they have a new writer for this season in Jeffrey Gans. He would go on to write and direct for Family Matters and previous entries, Making It, and A League of Their Own. Obviously, we have Johnny Bench playing himself, but playing a groom in this episode, somebody we don't talk about often enough, we totally talk about him all the time, Larry Anderson. The actor, not the Phillies pitcher. Right. Always want to clarify that. But hold on. Since Johnny Bench played himself, was the crazy chicken in this episode too? The San Diego chicken? Yeah. I've never heard him called the crazy chicken. That's Come what on. they called him on the baseball bunch, the crazy chicken. That's just flat out disrespect to Ted Giannoulis. Well, they couldn't call him the San Diego chicken on the baseball bunch, obviously. I swore they called him the San Diego chicken on the baseball bunch. I say it's the crazy chicken, or else it's a Mandela effect. The crazy chicken. Crazy chicken. I'm, I'm going to have to pull an Austin Carr here. Get that weak stuff out of here. Crazy Get that chicken. weak stuff out of here. Get that weak stuff out of here. Doing a little bit of research. The chicken was just called the chicken on the baseball bunch, not the San Diego chicken, and certainly not the crazy chicken. Greg, where did you come up with that? Get that weak stuff out of here. Thank you, Austin Carr. Episode two, Buttermaker Rides Again. Rappens has a new transfer student named Josh, but he's truant. Buttermaker struggles to get the young hustler into school while Amanda falls for him. And playing Josh is Rad Daly, who I guess would be new to the cast. Rad Daly, he was known for the Tomorrow War in 2021, the A-Team in 2010, and Shanghai Noon in 2000. I did see his name on one or two episodes from season one, so not entirely new. Newish. Newish to the point that we're finally mentioning him in this episode. Episode 3, First Base. Buttermaker and the rest of the Bears rally around Reggie as he has his first romance. And the lucky lady? A girl by the name of Wendy, played by Tanya Crow, who would be on the last four or five seasons of Knott's Landing. Hey, we got a name writing and producing this episode. We had Jeffrey Gans earlier. Big name. We didn't even mention Laverne and Shirley. That's where I remember his name from. But producing and writing in this episode is Ron Levitt. He was half the team that created not just It's Your Move, but also Married with Children. The other one would be Michael G. Boy. Episode four, Wedding Bells, part one. Amanda's mother, Alice, accepts Buttermaker's marriage proposal, but she gets a new job in Cuba, leaving Amanda to live with him. Wait, how did somebody get a job in Cuba in 1979? I have no idea. But guys... This is CNN Breaking News. FAU just beat K-State. Oh my gosh! That's crazy. 
They cannot be your national champion. I'm sorry. They they may be, but I, I just can't see that happening. Wait, can Florida Atlantic play San Diego State in the final? Hey, if you try hard enough, you could do anything. This is a fact. Now to get Greg a real answer. <laughs> uh, okay. can, can, you said, can San Diego State play FAU in the final? No, yeah. no. They would meet up in the uh, round of four. They would oh. meet up in the final four. So it'd be a VCU Butler 2011 situation. Which was not terrible, except for how that ended up. Anyway, returning in this episode, Alice, Joyce Bielefont, of course. She would also be in the next episode, The Birds and the Bees and the Bears. Amanda and Rudy pretend to be in a relationship to get Josh and Marsha jealous. Buttermaker awkwardly tries to talk the birds and the bees. This is not going to end well. No, Why, Buttermaker? Why? Why are you doing this? By the way, we have a new recurring character in Marsha, played by Sherry Wills. Sadly died in 2020, but she was country club Courtney in Heathers. If you remember that. I know the I movie, remember. obviously. Yeah, obviously. Episode 6, Lights Out. The gang takes to the streets to show Ogilvy how to have some fun. A blackout occurs, and Ogilvy has a little fun at the other's expenses. Playing Rust in this episode, a name we should all remember, Richard Maul. And you know what that means, y'all. I want to be your love slave. I want to be your love slave. I was going to say he declared that he was human sweat. I am human sweat! Yeah, John Larroquette wanted Richard Mull to be his love slave. Boy, anybody who doesn't follow this show has no idea what we're talking about. Wait, John Larroquette wants Richard Mull to be his love slave? Huh? What? Can you imagine if this is somebody's first exposure to this podcast? And if this, this is your first exposure to the podcast... We're sorry. Except not really, though. Now we go to part two of Wedding Bells. Amanda's mother moves out of the country, and Amanda moves in with Coach Buttermaker. And amazingly enough, Joyce Bulefont, not in this episode. Because she would be in Cuba. Because she's stuck in Cuba. Ha! In 1979. 1980, technically. Oh, yeah, 1980, Cuba. Episode 8, Matched Set. After getting taunted by the Turners, the boys decide to enter Amanda and Buttermaker into a tennis tournament to beat the Turners and take away their trophy. Meanwhile, Amanda continues her pursuit of Josh. Roy Turner is actually a recurring character played by Philip R. Allen. And he was actually in, Greg, Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock as Captain Esteban. Oh, yeah. Would he have been on the uh, USS Grissom? I believe he was. If he was oh, Captain well, Esteban, yes. Well, Christopher Ward got him good then. And Joey Turner would be played by Christopher Holloway, who has 
not been in much of anything except as a neighbor on an episode of Seventh Heaven. Which coincidentally also had Catherine Hicks. Yes, I only bring it up because Captain Hicks. And oh, we also have a new cast member for season two, Frosty, played by Bill Lazarus. He died in 1987. And this was actually his last credit. Episode 9, Old Timer's Day. Ahmad is having trouble living with his grandfather, and Buttermaker decides to help. The coach thinks the two can bridge their differences through baseball, so Buttermaker arranges a game between his kids and a senior team. Playing Grandpa Henry, Irvin Mosley Jr. Not much to say about him. He was in House of a Thousand Corpses, but he died in 2005. And he was in an episode of Seinfeld, Greg. Oh. What uh, episode? The Cigar Store Indian. Oh. Episode 10. Scrambled Eggs. The kids sneak out and try hitchhiking to San Diego for a concert when they get picked up by Buttermaker. Rappant gives each kid an egg to teach them responsibility. I was tempted to make a Frasier toss sound and scrambled eggs joke, but I didn't. Another legendary... Well, well, no, hold on, hold on, hold on. Well, you know what, Greg? You didn't want to do the toss salad and scrambled eggs joke? I'm going to put Corky in here, because... You won't believe what happened! They do get scrambled eggs. Ha! It's in the name of the title. In other words, they can't be uh, responsible. Scrambled eggs all over my face. What is a boy to do? Good night, Seattle. We love you. John Tracy, legendary director. He directed this episode. He did several episodes of Misfits of Science, Family Matters, Remington Steel, That's Sir Raven. He was just all over the place. What is a boy to do? Episode 11, Double Play. Buttermaker has money trouble and car trouble. He can't buy a present for Amanda's birthday, and Turner fires him as the pool cleaner and then hires him selling bad houses. The boys decide to clean pools to give Amanda a great birthday party. And I should note, this is the last Dared episode. And uh, one of the writers on this episode, Fred Fox Jr., of course, he would go on to create My Secret Identity. Which, of course, made Jerry O'Connell's career. Episode 12, The Good Life. Ogilvy is in love with Dr. Rappant. <laughs> oh, God, no. Oh, oh, my. Turner gets kicked out of his house by his wife, and he takes Buttermaker to a dance club, and they're surprised to find Emily Rappant there. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, look at her. She's she's cute. You're gorgeous. Episode 13. The Pride of the Bears. A fight between Amanda and Tanner leads to a school-wide battle of the sexes. Didn't we do this in season one already? Yeah, we had an episode like this, Battle of the Sexes, yes. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we did this back in season one. This episode was written by Richard Rosenstock. 
who would go on to write things like Arrested Development and The Big Bang Theory. So yeah, every guy had to start somewhere. He was also a consulting producer on 14 episodes of Family Guy from 2007 to 2008. Episode 14. The Headless Ghost of Macintosh Manor. The kids get Buttermaker to take them on a camping trip. He'd rather be sleeping. The kids have no shelter when it starts raining, and Ahmad tells a ghost story and the group finds an empty house. Well, that's the show. So, I gotta ask, what happened? It went up against Chips. Yeah, even in season two, it went up against Chips. I do have some schedules here. It went up against Chips, the second half hour of Chips. And it went up against something called Detective School on ABC. I find it interesting, the show before Bad News Bears, we may cover this one day just because of the star power involved. Working Stiffs. Michael Keaton? Yeah, that was, I was just about to say, that name sounds familiar. And Jim Belushi. But let's not forget Michael Keaton. He's Batman. I'm Batman. And Jim Belushi, because he's according to Jim. I tried. Yeah, that's okay. He's not Batman. He's not Batman. But yeah, the show did not crack the top 30 per the extent of my research here. So I don't even think it cracked the top 50. I don't see anything. Well, when it came back in summer of 1980, the competition was a little bit better. On ABC, it went up against something called Blue Jeans. I'm just, I see a partial name there. I can't tell what Blue Jeans is, though. Maybe I'll look at a different week. But on NBC, it went up against the second half hour of BJ and the Bear. Oh, you're not beating Craig Evigan and the Bear. And who knows, maybe on one of those episodes was Sheriff Lobo. I miss Sheriff Lobo. Oh, there's another thing that people who maybe listen to us the first time don't fully get. We miss Sheriff Lobo. I miss Sheriff Lobo like Homer Simpson. I miss him. Yes. I'm looking at the Saturday night schedule, and I'm thinking to myself, CBS was pretty much giving up the ghost on Saturdays because on one end you have working steps. Yeah, on the other end you have big Seamus, little Seamus. It's safe to say one of those Seamuses isn't Seamus from WWE, right? No. No, I'm sad then. But if you did want to relive the episodes of the Bad News Bears, they were syndicated out to Nickelodeon, Nick at Night. I think they were syndicated out to the Disney Channel as well in the early 80s? Possibly. But in 2018, VEI actually put out the complete series on DVD. So it is available for purchase officially. Yes, but good luck finding it because it has since been out of print. And it commands a hefty price on the secondary market. Actually, no, not as hefty as you think. I have an eBay listing. It's nineteen dollars Canadian. That's like thirteen bucks US. Oh, that's terrific, Ned. 
God bless the Canadian dollar being so valueless. Apologies, Dean, if you're listening. But then you got to pay for shipping. Oh, yeah, that's what they get you. Yeah. But, yeah, audiences were confused by the frequent changes because, if I'm not mistaken, they switched it from 8 o'clock to 8.30. They took it off the schedule. They put it back on the schedule. CBS honestly didn't know what the hell to do with this show, and people got tired of looking, and they just stopped tuning in. In fact, that's exactly what Wikipedia says. One month later, the series was again moved to the 8.30 time slot, but then audiences were confused by the frequent time changes and stopped tuning in. According to Marley Brandt's book, Happier Days, Paramount Television's classic sitcoms. But this didn't really stop the bad news bears any, because if you remember back in 2005, I believe it was, they got a reboot. And playing in that reboot, Billy Bob Thornton. So yeah, it's not like the idea was a bad one. It was a really good one. Just didn't make for a really good TV series, I don't think. No. Well, in 1979, the Bad News Bears faced one opponent they couldn't beat. And that was Ponch and John. And in the end, it just became a thing on TV. Well, we're at the bottom of the night. Three men on. Just remains to say that the previous 363 episodes are available on our website. It was a thing on TV.com. Of course, we also have mini-sodes, live watches, few surprises, links to all of our socials. We are on all social media at It Was a Thing on TV, except for Facebook, because Mark Zuckerberg is a Yankees fan and gave us It Was a Thing on TV podcast instead. And as always, we are available wherever fine podcasts can be streamed. Remember, like, subscribe, rate, review, five stars only, because positive vibes only. And if you are on YouTube, smash that notification bell to stay up to date on all of our future entries. Like next week, we have our annual Easter show, and you won't believe what happens when a simple pie man gets... A not-so-simple power. Oh. But first, what happens when you take two best friends, an old space chunker, a mouthy computer, and a barman who doubles as a commissioner for Soldiers of Fortune? Oh. You get the goddamn best series that should have lasted at least six seasons. I will just say this. They went for the Star Trek Voyager audience, they went for the Moesha audience, and they succeeded in getting neither. No. Plus, we have a live watch and a mini-sode, and that's coming up next week right here on It Was A Thing On TV. For Greg, for Mike, I'm Chico. Thank you ever so much for listening. Please be kind to each other, and we'll see you for the next one. Wow! Yeah! For it's one, two, three strikes, you're at the old ball game. Let's get some runs! Go Guardians! Yankees suck! <laughs>